Millions recovered for wrongful death victims. Best wrongful death lawyer. No fee unless we win. Guarantee. These are the headlines that victims of wrongful death accidents are likely to experience as a welcome message on the top of the Google search results page when they initiate the painful journey of dealing with their loss. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we think it's time to humanize marketing for wrongful death victims. Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? Grace, I'm great. Very excited about today's conversation. We have a special guest. And without further ado, I would love for you to introduce our guest to our show. Well, everybody, we do have a very special guest. Today, we are honored to welcome attorney Kyle Backus. With more than 25 years of experience representing families in catastrophic injury and death cases, Kyle just released his best-selling book, Unthinkable which provides a practical roadmap for navigating a path that no one chooses. Kyle is also the founding partner of Bacchus & Schenker, a Colorado injury law firm with 32 lawyers and a team of more than 100 staff that has recovered over $1 billion in settlements for accident victims and their families. Kyle, welcome to In Camera Podcast. Kyle, welcome to In Camera Podcast. Where does this podcast find you? Well, I am sitting in Denver, Colorado in our uh central office. So I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be present and with you today. Kyle, is a real, real pleasure. And as we were just commenting a moment ago before we got online here, you've recently published a book and congratulations on it becoming a bestseller. Obviously, it's a very powerful, both a personal and a professional book that you that you created there. And so why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you decided to write a book? Why did you wrote it? And what's been the journey so far? Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I've been a personal injury lawyer for 30 years now. And uh, I actually, I graduated from the University of Florida Law School and went to work at a personal injury law firm the Monday after uh, I graduated from law school. And although I, a few years later, moved out to uh, Denver uh, for a year, to check it out. And that's been uh, since 1996. Uh, I'm still checking it out. <laughs> you know, I, that's what I've done for my entire life. And I've, uh, especially as I've uh, become more seasoned and more experienced, I, I really uh, spend a, a, the vast majority of my practice working on catastrophic injury and wrongful death cases. We've grown a law firm from uh, the two of us, uh, Darren Shanker and I, started for $15,000, I think is what we had when we started it. We have more than 30 lawyers and more than 100 employees who work for us. Well, um, when you do this work in the back of your mind, you, of course, you you see the kind of the randomness of tragedy that can happen. And you hope and pray, right, that you're never on the other end of one of those calls. And unfortunately for me and my family, um, on April the 28th of 2020, 
just after COVID got started, we were on the other end of one of those calls when my my own mother was uh, killed by a, a concrete mixer truck, actually. It was run over and killed in a crosswalk in Winter Park, Florida, while out on a COVID walk. And, you know, we got that news and it hit home in my life. And, and so, uh, you know, I had never written a, a book before, but what I experienced from the victim's side of things, the real life living through being told, you know, that your family member has been erased off of the face of the earth due to, uh, in my case, a commercial truck driver who wasn't paying attention that changes you obviously forever as a family, as a person. And it's changed me as a lawyer as well. And, and I was, I really thought I had it figured out. You know, I thought that I knew 28 years, a long time to do this practice. Um, but my eyes were really open to an entirely different side from all aspects of my personal and professional life. And so I felt like who was in a better position to help families kind of walk through all of the decisions that have to be made, everything that goes on, that the, the real answers that families truly need uh, beyond kind of the legal marketing that we all do, which I, I am happy to talk about as well and, and what I saw as a victim versus a professional in that regard too. But the book is a guide for families. And really Forbes magazine, for instance, said it's gotten a lot more attention than I thought, put it on a list of one of the their, their 10 best reads for the summer of 2022 for people who are trying to get some, some insight into practical realities of life. And so it really answers a lot of questions for people to help them, I guess, not only those walking through it, but those who, who might want to see what they, changes they want to, might want to make in their family in terms of passwords and a bunch of other things that go along with kind of preparing in case something were to happen to them. Well, uh, Kyle, first of all, I'm so sorry about your loss. Um, what a ter- terrible thing. And, um, you know, what you're saying there is, is so powerful because you're not in f- unfamiliar with this type of events. You've, you've been dealing with them, as you've said, for over 28 years, yet all from the sudden you're in a position that it sounds like felt very new and made you very vulnerable, even though you probably knew a lot of the, of the technicalities that were going to be part of navigating that journey. Uh, you all from the sudden faced a whole new block of things that come as, as part of it that, that you may not necessarily have been aware of. And so the question that arises here is, how did that change the way that you see your clients now? How, how did that help you, first of all, at a personal level, and then be a, a better lawyer for people that are going through that? I'm, I'm sure that has must have played a role in defining you now. Yeah, I mean, a, a big role. Um, look, all of this comes crashing down on a family uh, when this news is told to a family. Uh, when I say all of this, you have the criminal, really the criminal justice system, the civil justice system, probate law, constitutional law, victims' rights. If somebody were to ask me, Kyle, if you go in your and think about your entire life, when were you least 
in a position to make important decisions, right? When is the, it would be in the week or two after my mom was killed. I was in the worst position to be making any sort of important decision, yet there are a lot of important decisions that have to be made in that time frame on so many fronts. Uh, and I, I'm not just talking about the legal fronts. I'm talking about what do you do with the pets? What do you do with my mom's cats who are waiting to be fed? And she you know, was killed five blocks from her home and never made it in to feed them. Their online life, how do you secure that? You know, Is there a will or isn't there a will? What do you do with the, the car? Who's going to pay the rent? Who gets the house? Who, you know, all of this stuff, what should you do about the police investigation? Do you need an autopsy or not? How do you, you know, who's making those decisions? Who's in charge? So there's all of this stuff. And what happened to me was in my family, uh, my brother and sister are both doctors. Okay. We're, we're, my parents were divorced when we were young. My parents still got along, but that was really up to the three of us. And who do you think got asked all the questions about what happens now after my mom was killed? Me, right? And, and so my sister, who nobody's, you're not sleeping, you're just trying to make it through the first minute, then the first hour, then the first day. I mean, it's, it is incredibly uh, difficult time uh, in people's lives and in my life. And so you're not sleeping. And my sister said to me, she said, you know, Kyle, I'm, I'm up at night and I was looking uh, just like this guy who ran over mom. It, isn't he going to go to jail for a long time? I mean, he killed mom. So she says, I'm looking and I'm looking online and all that pops up in Orlando when I'm looking is these attorney ads, right? Basically saying like, congratulations, your mom is killed. Call me and I can get you some money. But none of the real answers that the families actually need, right? And so if you just take that as an example, when my life settled back down, I looked back and I thought about that conversation with my sister. Well, what does my advertising look like, you know, in wrongful death case? Because like many other law firms, you hire people to do that work for you and it's to try to be seen and you want the right keywords and you want, but are you really thinking about what somebody needs? I'll tell you, when we looked at our own marketing, I was embarrassed and astonished because exactly what my sister was saying she was seeing is what somebody would see if they said, typed in a Google search, my mom was killed by a truck in Colorado. Uh, you know, if I, if somebody did that here, they would, they would have seen our advertising, which was frankly off the mark uh, with what people are looking for. The, the entirety of this changed my belief about the lawyer as the counselor and the role of a lawyer. If you really want to uh, be providing the best service to clients. And that starts from the marketing side of it, that through the intake side of it, through the entirety of the case. And I really am hoping that not only through this book, but through conversations like this, that lawyers will begin to think differently about their role uh, for a catastrophically injured, seriously injured, catastrophically injured and in, in wrongful death cases, because I think our role and probably our moral obligation in society is to do much more than we're actually doing. And I'm happy to talk about some of that as well. So I do want to touch on that, actually. Um, you know, this, this podcast is meant for no BS legal marketing conversations, right? That people should have, but don't. So you, you are on the perfect path for what we always talk about here. We talk about ethical marketing what's right and what's wrong 
you know, we, we do try to go deep. So with that being said, um, can you give us a couple things that you made immediate changes to your marketing after experiencing the school of hard knocks that you did? The first thing that I did is from a marketing perspective is to, to really step back and say, what are the actual needs? And you know what people need to know about when they have a, a loved one that's killed? They want to have uh, information about what the next step is that they're facing, which might be, do I need an autopsy, for example? Uh, should I trust the police department to conduct the investigation? And with the police department, you know, I talk about it. It's kind of the, the and it's not a bad thing. It's just the truth, right? It's a lottery. It depends on where your parent was killed or your relative was killed, right? What's the location? What's that police force's experience? Who's on vacation? Who's not? We all know cops come, they do an investigation, they open the road. We all know as lawyers that evidence is fleeting, right? So people need to understand not how much money you can get for them after somebody's killed, because I promise you, there's not a single person who has a relative killed who the next thing that crosses their mind is, well, how much am I going to get paid for that? That's not what they want at all. Accountability is something different. First, you know what they want to know is why and how could this happen? And so by creating content that addresses those real concerns, which is, look, if this happened, don't even think about whether you need to hire a lawyer right now. Let's talk about what the next step in the process is that you're going to be facing And ultimately, when they see the role of the criminal justice system, which is something that I try to cover here, there's a criminal justice system, there's a civil justice system. A lot of people, including smart people, don't understand that if you don't intentionally kill somebody, if it's just negligence, that our society doesn't treat that as a serious crime. If you, you, they don't, you don't go to jail for 10 years for negligently Uh, running a stoplight and killing somebody, but you've killed somebody just, they're just as dead as if you took a a knife and stabbed them intentionally, but they're not treated. And we as lawyers know the difference. I promise you, your clients don't. They don't know the difference. They don't know where the criminal justice system starts and the civil justice system begins. And and they don't know how to get answers in either of those systems. But I can tell you the first system they're going to face is the criminal justice system as a victim. So what are their rights as a, as a victim? And the other thing people, I think, from my own experience, right? If you're a fixer, you want to fix something, you know, give me a problem. We'll work through it and I'll try to help you fix it. What do people do when something is so bad that it can't be fixed? So don't tell me that you're going to fix the problem because you're not going to fix the problem. If you're a lawyer, like, congrats, money's not going to fix the problem. My mom is still dead. Her grandkids still don't get to see her. It's not about that. But people do want to get some control over the extent the unfixable happens. They still want to have some control over what happens next. And so I think that helping people holistically through what actually happens next, what happens next is not suing somebody. What happens next is trying to figure out what happened to my loved one. Why did this happen? How did this happen? And, and those are questions I'm telling you, you sit there and you're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, I, I know my mom would push walk at a walk sign. Like what, how did this happen? Why did this truck in broad daylight not see what occurred? So 
at the end of the day, the end of the tunnel, there's a civil justice system that's going to be the best path for some of these answers. But if you start with the end, as opposed to start with the start, you're making a big mistake. It's, it's necessary. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. It is necessary to help them think through what is going on, right? Because that's the last thing that you're thinking about is what is next. I mean, you're thinking about what's next, but not how to get there because you're frozen, right? You're, you're going through it at the moment that it's happening. So um, you did mention that, you know, the evidence is fleeting by nature. Yeah. So uh, and you did give us a definition of a fleeting. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's very hard to get a hold of. And if you're in the moment and things that are happening right then and there, when that's happening and it's something that you, you kind of have to think about, right? Because that is what's going to be next. And like you said, it's a lottery depending on where it's located, what's happening, if they have, the, if they've experienced it before even, right? Or if it's just some young person that literally just started at the academy, came out of the academy, you don't know. So with that being said, is there anything that somebody could do? And you do have the benefit, obviously, of being an attorney, but you were still a victim of something that happened to you. So you can at least hopefully give something to people that are hearing and have been in the same position. What could you do that might be maybe not immediate, but you know, hopefully within a day or two or even three, when, when you can sit and think for one moment, which is almost impossible as we all know during that time, what can somebody do to help with that fleeting nature of evidence? Well, you know, the, the first thing that from a victim, the first thing that a victim can do is engage in conversation with the police department. Look, it doesn't matter whether you're in New York City or some rural town in, in Kansas, a death in a police department is a big deal and you're entitled and they're public servants. And so the first thing is, you know, encouraging people to engage in, in communication with the police department and, and know who's investigating and what they're doing and introduce the family to the police department and, you know, and express concern and that you want to participate. And then you kind of get, you can get a better feel for, Oh, you know what? This cop has done this 150 times or this cop has done this three times. And then that's, a, that's some knowledge that, that can help you. And so I, I bet you won't find a personal injury website in the country that suggests uh, that you interact with the, with the police to learn a little bit more about it. Right. But that's that's a, a good start. And how many law firms are saying that they're that they will help their personal injury clients by starting those conversations with the police department to to understand what their course of the investigation is going to be, and then having people understand any one of us. You don't have to be a lawyer. You could Google right now for a and I and I talk about this and give examples of, of searches in, in my book for for victims. You can Google and you can find a professional engineer company that can go out and secure the evidence information for you, whether you have a lawyer or not. And it's probably less expensive than you think. Probably. And it's expensive, but you could probably for a couple of thousand dollars have somebody go out there with a drone, a real professional engineer, the kind of people who train the police, secure evidence, look for it at the scene, not do anything with it other than capture it have a private investigator hired for probably $500. You could Google and find them to go out and look for video and knock on doors to see whether people have video cameras in their doorbells and do things or stores. You could do that on your own. Now, 
by giving that information, are people going to do that on their own? Maybe. But they could also do that through a law firm that's willing to do that for them, right? That, but but you're not you're not selling them on. I'm going to get you money at the end of the case. You're you're actually helping them. And if we truly, I hope most of us, if not all of us, are actually in the business to help people. Well, that's what I mean by thinking about things a little bit differently. That's the help that people need, is the, to get the knowledge, whether they ever decide to bring a case or not whether there's insurance or not, but getting that and they can do it on their own or they can do it with you or they can do it in some combination of those two things. But so, I mean, when you talk about fleeting evidence, in, in my mom's case, you know, the police department was a small police department. We were not even told it was a concrete mixer truck. We were told she was hit by a car. Meanwhile, that commercial trucking company is out there on the scene investigating. The police department didn't have a place to put the concrete mixer truck. They let the truck company take the truck with them back to their own lot with a promise that they would secure and download the ECM data and deliver it to the police. Now, maybe that's okay, but maybe not, right? Uh, depending upon the circumstances. And so that's tangible examples of, of, of why people need help. And, and, and so we go through each step of what's next. And that's what the book kind of says is, here's what you're likely to confront. Well, what are your rights as a victims? I mean, how many lawyers who handle personal injury or wrongful death cases have read the victim's rights statute in their state and know what the rights of victims are? Well, victims want to know what their rights are. Do they have a right to be heard? Do they have a right to uh, input with the prosecutor? If the police don't want to prosecute, can they go to the prosecutor directly? How do they do that, right? If you, so these are all these things that, that came upon me, right? That, and my practice is completely different with these segments of clients than, than it ever was because I'm not just dealing with the slice. I'm starting with them on a journey and I'm doing it all for them or putting them in the hands of people who can do that for them. You know, we do injuries of appearance in the criminal case so that our, we get knowledge and so you don't have to keep going back. You get notified of the, of the proceedings and go with them to make sure that the, that the prosecutor actually provides the victim's impact statement when it's time to sentence. You know why? Because it matters to the family when the, the family is going, we know, Every lawyer who handles, we know, unless there's an intentional conduct or drunk driving or habitual traffic, our clients are going to be disappointed by the criminal justice system because of the mens rea requirements. You must have intentional conduct in order to have a serious crime, right? So they're going to be disappointed. Let's try to lessen that for them. Let's, let's work with them. And so if you providing input from a marketing perspective as to what services you're providing. First of all, you need to be willing to provide the services and then you ought to be talking about the services you're actually willing to provide. Kyle, obviously here you are dealing with a shift, right? And it's a mindset that I think a lot of law firms still have about kind of like talking just or putting the focus on the price at the end of it all, if you may call it that way, which is the money, the compensation, right. and everything else is just leave it to the expert. We'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. You'll just get this big price, which uh, we're promising a chunk of money, you know, for what you've gone through. And the, the level of awareness that I'm getting from you is that 
from a personal standpoint, you did not feel that that was what was going to get you through it, knowing that there was going to be a compensation at the end of it, or at least not immediately. That was not your first thought of coming to terms with this. And But the other part here seems to be that it's just, it's not a match to the age in which we live, right? Where, where, where we are used to having answers and understanding things we're not blind we're not anymore blindly going after promises that others make without asking questions beforehand and so your approach here is well here is how things are done and here is exactly the process that can be followed whether you want to do them through professionals like us whether you want to source them yourself but this is the process. Here is how things work. And um, it sounds like a lot of that shift in mindset has come as a result of what you've gone through. And it's been already, you know, two, three years since that. And and so how how you see now, you know, the, the impact of you having made this adjustment and being more um, open and focus on talking about the process and talking about the different aspects of things. How do you see the people that your law firm is helping now responding to this? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you make, you know, it's a great question. Here's the deal. It changed everything about our, our process. Now, we're a large enough firm that I was able to create a special group within our firm. And we've the name we named it the elite litigation group internally and what we did is we took every case that's a catastrophic injury or a wrongful death case and we placed it with this specialty group because obviously if somebody's complaining of a whiplash injury and and they've got a bulging disc in their neck i mean those are important cases but you don't get the dream team for a traffic ticket you know and so we also have to look at, at our business models in that way. You know, it's a different experience for somebody who's catastrophically injured or had somebody killed. And so, but yet we weren't, we were kind of treating them the same way. And so what we've changed is we've created this group and that's all they do. That's all we do. And I lead that group is only the catastrophic injury and wrongful death cases. And we, we describe it as this holistic practice. You know, you need help planning your funeral, we'll help plan the funeral. We'll help you get the victim's compensation benefits that you're entitled to. In Colorado, victims of crime, if you meet the definition, and expressly in the statute, and most that I've seen, careless driving resulting in serious bodily injury or death is included in the definition of a victim of a crime in most states. You get up to $30,000 to cover travel expenses, uh, funeral expenses, to miss time from work, babysitter care, et cetera. So we help people get the, we do anything and everything that they're uh, facing. And there's been nothing more rewarding in my practice than seeing the difference that we're making in, fa in these families. And uh, as lawyers, here's another thing that we face with wrongful death cases. Not everybody's hit by a commercial truck. Most people are killed by somebody who has minimal insurance or no insurance. And so um, we, we have to, are we going to help those families? And what are we going to spend in terms of time and effort? Well, we've made a decision. Yeah, we're going to do the same thing for those families. We're going to find out, we're going to make sure that, that they're taken care of in all other respects. And then we've got to confront the realities 
of the limits that they're going to be able to collect in a wrongful death case where somebody only has twenty five thousand dollars, you know, is not spending any time in jail in the criminal justice system. The family is getting twenty five thousand dollars or fifty thousand um, dollars, and their relative is dead. You know, that's a horrible. But we're committed to helping all families of wrongful death in all aspects of their case holistically. I'll make a referral to a probate lawyer if need be. I, I, I may not have all of the answers myself or it may not be our speci specific uh, area of specialty if they need some co you know, collateral legal assistance, but we're quarterbacking the entire process. And it, it's been the most rewarding uh, time of my, uh, of my entire career, frankly, because of it. It's meaningful. And it's personal to me now, obviously, as well, but it's meaningful uh, and it's meaningful work. And, it, and, and you see in the families um, the difference that we're making in their lives. Yeah, obviously, doing things for a purpose is not just gratifying for you, of course, but at the same time, you know, it definitely has a, home, a complete different impact in the lives that, that you get to touch. Um, you know, one thing... Uh, Kyle, and just going back a little bit to how how much awareness and how much focus you're putting in in understanding and really uh, handholding victims as they're navigating through through this nightmare. Um, you know, I think the term empathy in the legal space became very, very, very used and very talked about over the past uh, five years, right? Everybody, everybody knows about it and everybody says they're implementing it. But what we've talked here about in the podcast is that it feels like they implemented in a systematic way, right? By asking a, a set of questions and making some rehearsed acknowledgements to the, the the story or the incident that has happened to the person that they're on the phone or such, they call that empathy. And and it's and it's not really genuine, and it's very brief, and it's like, well, I'm sorry that you've gone through this. Um, now let's get back to business. And so, how obviously in your case, and hearing you talk about this, it you can it it, it comes from the heart, and it's very genuine. But um, how do you inspire the rest of your team, others who have not gone through the same hardships that you've been through? To do that as well and to really care and to not fall under that systemic empathy? I mean, fantastic question. And I think, number one, it starts with the people, right? And what I mean by that is uh, I think I've been very surprised. Uh, number one, uh, you know, we're a bit, uh, like I said, a bit, little bit of a larger law firm. But after my mom was killed, people who would reach out to me internally at the firm who, you know, my, for instance, the, the guy who runs our intake department, his sister was killed in the value jet jet crash uh, over Miami that was from Miami to Denver years ago. I had no idea that his sister had been killed. But after my mom was killed, he shares this with me. And I point that out because you may not know the life experiences of those working, and you might not know why they were actually driven to come work at your law firm to try to help people. And so I think you start by looking at the people and, and, and second to that is it makes the job that I'm talking about a much better job for those working it. And so we're attracting people who work, who have worked as victims advocates in the criminal process, who uh, the same people who are driven to 
go work for Mothers Against Drunk Driving because somebody in their family was killed. You'd be surprised that those people want to come. You know, not everybody wants to work at a funeral home, but some people work at a funeral home and are drawn there. Not everybody wants to work with the elderly or, or people in a, in a hospice setting, but some people do. There are some people out there who actually want to spend their day. There's some people who clearly don't. And I can tell you, I had people who we first put on our crew when we created this, who came and resigned and said, I need to move to a different department or left the firm because they said, I just can't deal with all the death every day. I can't, I just can't. I've got two little kids at home and I can't go home thinking about this every day. And I understand that. But there are other people who are driven to toward that, who who want to help those families. And so um, it's been it's been much easier, I think, than, than I imagined to find people who who they they thoroughly enjoy it. Now, you got to be careful. You can't, as we know, you, you can't spend your entire day at practice on the telephone with a family crying with them, right? But there's a place and a time uh, for that and for them to, for us to be able to take action to help them and to then turn back around and, and show them, hey, here's what we've done to help you and give them a sense of control on a path that nobody can walk that path with them. We can walk next to them. You know, they're, they're going to have to, to walk that, whether it's finding a good grief counselor for them encouraging them to, to get grief counseling, setting that up, and then that part's done. And then you do the next part and the next part and the next part. So it's action-oriented. It's not babysitting. It's action-oriented. But but I think you'd be surprised at, at uh, how attractive that job is to the right person. Absolutely. So it sounds like taking action is key, right, as, as a firm, as you having experienced this and everything. So uh, as sad as it sounds, we have come to – towards the end of this podcast. So with that being said, and we're talking about actions, Yes. what are three actionable takeaways that you feel can help our audience? Number one, when you're dealing with families who are involved in a catastrophic loss or especially a death case, don't, don't try to gloss over their reality. I, I can tell you that people will say to me, oh, I'm so sorry that your mom passed away. My mom didn't pass away. My mom was killed. Okay. And that might sound harsh, but I'm telling you when you're dealing with families who are going through it, if you, if you come to them and you start talking to them that way, you're not addressing their experience. And so it's not, nobody has to remind them that their mom or, or, or daughter was killed. You don't have to remind them. It's not going to trigger something by saying that that's what happened. And so I'd say, be real. Number one, right? Number two, I would just say, be holistic. We, we think of law, lawyers, and you say lawyer and counselor at law. Don't be afraid, despite uh, maybe a rut or habit you've gotten into, to pull out that counselor hat and serve a bigger, broader purpose for people. And, and number three would be, if you just looked at it financially, I would say that that the changes that we've made in the way that we're doing business, the result is is a more robust financial picture with this group of clients and more referrals and 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 so do good. And I think if we if we just do good, you know, uh, and and ask yourself, uh, uh, what does that mean? What would it really mean to do the right thing for this family? And that's what I tell our our staff is, you know. 
you can always be got just do the do the right thing. What's too little? What's too much? I don't know. Do the right thing. What would you need or want? Do it. And, and I think if you follow that advice, you'll be providing a great service and uh, spreading that message as a legacy to my mom uh, is important to me. And I appreciate very much the opportunity to talk with you guys. Kyle, thank you so much for coming here, sharing so much about um, your experience, uh, both personally and professionally. Of course, we'll have a link to the book Unthinkable, which is available in Amazon. It's already been awarded a best-selling status. So congratulations on that. It's a wonderful uh, read. And again, thanks for for coming and joining us for this conversation. And hopefully we'll get to have you sometime in the future because there's much more to talk and learn from you. Would love to come back. Thank you. Thank you very much. What a powerful conversation. The teacher was to see it from both a victim's and lawyer's standpoint, right? I mean, like you said, specifically to wrongful death. How? Yeah. The chances of that happening are pretty, I would hope, yeah. slim. I would yeah. hope, slim. That's one thing, but of course, Grace, here in this podcast that we are mainly focused on the marketing side of things, kind of like a big wake up call about how oftentimes marketing is done around wrongful death cases, right? I mean, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, it's promoted in a way as almost, you know, here's your lottery ticket. It's terrible. And so I think if you were to ask me, aside of those three fantastic takeaways that uh, Kyle gave us, is uh, go back to humanizing your marketing, right? Stop putting dollar values into everything that you're doing and remember that you're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with people who are dealing with emotions and they don't have, they're not, they're not, right? We always, always somehow we bring up here the Maslow pyramid here. They're not thinking of money at that point. They are at a different level. They're in a different stage. Uh, they've been actually pulled pretty much down. They're in a level of instability and security. And so um, you need to level to that and create a message that actually helps them meet them right there where they are. You know, Grace, one of the examples that I'm giving lately a lot about it is just the terminology that we use to refer to what the law firm does. You know, oftentimes you hear drop the legal jargon, drop the legal jargon. And yet, you know, you go to the websites of law firms and there is this section on the side that it's called practice areas. And when you think about it, practice areas is legal jargon. A normal person doesn't necessarily know what a practice area is. You would think that they will reason it out and understand what it means, but Rather than calling practice areas your practice areas, you may want to consider talking about the problems you solve, situations we handle, cases we can help you, put uh, simple words that people will use. Practice areas is a sterile, very clinical term to talk about the problems that people are having, right? And so probably not the biggest deal of them all. It's fine. It's not a terrible thing to use the practice areas term, but you need to, you know, sometimes just ask yourself those type of questions. Is that the right term? Do people know what that is? Is that the way that I would explain to a 10 year old what you do and how do you help people? You tell them about the practice areas that you handle. Anyhow, Grace, what are your thoughts? I have one takeaway that 
I think encompasses everything. And it's me personally live, I live by it. You know, when I, when we talk about humanizing marketing, humanizing things and, you know, showing true empathy, it's, it's kind of to his third point, which is do the right thing. Mine is do unto others as you'd like done unto yourself. The golden rule of life, because if yeah. you do that in your marketing, you do that in your everyday, you do that when you're dealing with clients, both as yep. a marketer or as an attorney, you are a counselor, like Kyle said, right? Be a counselor of law. You are there to yep. help people. So to your point, 100%, right? Practice areas, that's the common language. We all use the term practice areas, but does anybody know what it means? I, I don't really think so. You know, what can yeah. I help you with? Isn't that what yeah. you say when, I mean... Think of Target, right? I used to work at Target yeah. for a couple of years. What can yeah. I help you with? That was my question yeah. to people. Not, oh, we have hard lines. We've got soft lines. That's terminology that yeah. we use in retail. Same yeah. practice areas is terminology yeah. we use in legal. So I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, and, and I use that as an example to, to make the point that not because that's become the norm, not because the norm has been to talk about uh, wrongful death cases in, in a dollar amount uh, context only, it means that it's the best way of doing it. Uh, so that's kind of like where I was going with that. Yeah. And yeah, Grace, I think you are uh, bringing it home with a great message here, you know, treat others the same way that you'd like to be treated. And with that, we're going to say until next time. Because we have a busy end of the year season and we are going to have a lot to talk about. That's right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, Grace, all the best. Thank you very much. And until next one. Until next one. Thank you, Leo. Bye. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.